Well, good evening. Hey, does everybody have one of these handouts? If you don't have one, raise your hand because you need one because we're going to be working off of this tonight. So just slip your hand up and keep it up and then one of our hosts will find you. So just, just keep it up until they get to you. Awesome. You know, just a couple of things before we, before we get started tonight. You know, one of the things I, I, I love about the, uh, our worship experience is, is how oftentimes our young people are part of leading us. Is that good? So tonight we had Maya and the praise team. We had Micah, right, on the drums. It's so important for us as a church to, to for those that we're going to be following in our future, let's, let's let them practice leading us now. Come on, you with me? And so that's a huge part of what we believe here at City Life is just investing in the next generation, giving, giving them a part now and not waiting uh, for later. So, so we're just proud of our young people, proud of our young people. So, hey, a couple of things, couple more things before we uh, get started tonight. You know, we launched our, our, our annual Faith Promise Initiative uh, uh, this month. And so I'm just, just every uh, weekend leading up to the business meeting, which is at the uh, next weekend, uh, th- these cards, if you don't have one, you can get one out in the lobby. But if you call this your church home, we're asking you to pick up one of these cards uh, and that you're going to be praying and God's going to give you a number uh, and you're going to believe for that number. You might not, you don't have any idea how that money's going to come. Uh, and that's why it's called a faith promise because you believe by faith and you make a promise that when it does, that you give it to the faith promise initiative. And then that, that's money that we use uh, for overseas missions, for planning new campuses, for seeing the vision of the church advance. And so every year we have the most amazing stories. I recounted one uh, just last weekend at the Williamsburg campus. Uh, There was a family from that campus last year, uh, early on in the year, they did their faith promise. He and his wife were praying about uh, what number, and they had kind of two numbers they were wrestling with, and one was was really big, and then one wasn't so big, and they said, well, that that can never happen. So they picked a smaller number, did their faith promise, turned it in. It It probably was was not more than a month or so, he gets this random check in the mail from the company that he works for that he was not supposed to get. It wasn't time for bonuses. He calls the company and say, hey, I got this check. I wasn't supposed to get it. Uh, I just need to know where to send it back. They said, we'll call you back. They called him back later that day and said, you weren't supposed to get it. It was sent by accident, but we decided you're doing such a great job. We want you to keep it. Come on. I know. Isn't that great? And that check was enough to pay the bigger faith promise. And so even though they did the smaller faith promise, God gave them the bigger one, and then they actually gave the bigger one to the faith promise initiative. So we had over $30,000 came in last year on stories like that. So I'm just telling you, if, if you want to be a part of a story like that, then you need to participate. And we do not put your name on here because we don't want to know who you are because we're not going to call you. We're not going to follow up with you. This is between you and God. We just take that number uh, and then we begin to pray for that number to be fulfilled throughout our year. And so we just want to encourage you, again, if you call this your church home, uh, that you want to jump in on that. So our business meeting that is coming up next weekend, if you call this your church home, I uh, just want to encourage you to set aside Sunday afternoon. It's from four to six, and then we're doing that pasta for PA, the fundraiser for our youth after. So I hope that you just plan to come be with us for the uh, early afternoon and the evening. Uh, we are going to be doing some voting at this business meeting. We don't vote at all of our business meetings, but we're going to be uh, changing our and updating our constitution and bylaws. There's nothing in our bylaws about campus pastors, so that that needs to be added in. Uh, we also feel like we're going to, with the launch of our, our Southside campus, which we hope is going to be within the next 12 to 24 months. Come on, Southside people. Hey, how about that slide up there that talks about one church meeting in two places, and it's got Newport News and Williamsburg. I, I, every time I look at it, we need to zoom that thing out and just put the Southside on there already, right? Just say, because it's coming. So we just know with the, the launch of three campuses, we know four, five, six, all that's coming for us as, as a number of campuses. Uh, so we're going to create what, we call, what we're going to call a regional team, uh, the governance team. If you've been tracking with us for any amount of time, they're gonna, they're, every campus is going to have their own governance team, and then there's going to be a regional team. So we're going to explain that at our business meeting, but we're going to be updating our bylaws to accommodate that. And so uh, if you want a copy, right, because we don't, th- that bylaws document is like 20-some pages long, and about two people probably in the church want to read it. So if you're one of those people that wants an advanced copy, you need to get in touch with either me or Jamie, and we'll make arrangements to get you a copy uh, before this weekend. Uh, otherwise, we'll have copies available at the, at the business meeting on Sunday. So, all right, good enough. All right, what else do I have that I need to do? I got instructions. All right, I think that's it. 
All right, let me, let me do this, because I, I was going to close the service with this, but just all week I just felt like the Holy Spirit, you know, I, I had big plans of what we were going to do tonight, and every day it's like God changed it, changed it, changed it, changed it, and that's part of just what we believe here at, at City Life, and uh, uh, even just the handout, that was a last minute thing. I was in the office late Friday by myself, standing at the folding machine, thinking to myself, I could probably put a satellite in orbit easier than it is going to be for me to figure out how to work this thing, right? And then thank God Elise was still there and came in and, and, uh, and helped me out. So uh, I got an email from somebody this week about something they shared last week that I was going to open with. We're pushing all of that to, to next week. I, I just feel like there's some things that God wants to speak to some people's hearts tonight. And so we're going to talk about some, some, some about that on the handout. But before we get there, I wanted to close with this, but I just felt like the Holy Spirit uh, all week has been saying, no, do it now. So there must be somebody that's had too much coffee. You were going to leave early to go to the bathroom, and so God's chasing you down, right? You with me? All right, so all right, this is Genesis 49. This has nothing to do with the sermon, but we're going to talk about it. Genesis 49, 5 through 7. Now, just to give you a little background, this is, this is Jacob. He's on his deathbed. This is like the, the reading of his will, so to speak. He's got all of his sons in front of him. And, and part of the practice of that day, the people of God, is that the patriarch of the family would, would, would give a prophecy over their children. It's a fascinating study in the Old Testament how, how all these prophecies that were ever given over these kids, uh, they, they came true. So it's not just him out of some moment of frustration. Does that make sense? Complaining about things his children did. These are prophetic insights that God's giving the, the Father that he's speaking over them. And some of them, you're, you're like, you read them and you go, oh, that's just, right? It's not what you're hoping your Father does to speak over you while you're on your, on your deathbed. So here's, here's one, an example of that. Simeon and Levi are two of a kind. Their weapons are instruments of violence. May I, may I never join in their meetings. This is, this is God speaking over them. May I never join in their meetings. May I never be a party to their plans. For in their anger they murdered men and they crippled oxen just for sport. A curse on their anger, for it is fierce. A curse on their wrath, for it is cruel. And I will scatter them among the descendants of Jacob's and I will disperse them throughout Israel. It wasn't such a great day. Right? For Simeon and, and Levi. You know, part of what this is referencing is that in the story of, of the Bible before, that as Jacob and his family were traveling through the, the land, one of their sisters was raped by one of the princes of Shechem. And so Simeon and Levi felt like their father wasn't doing enough to, to bring justice. And so, so they, they came up with this plan. This prince came back to the family, said, what, I've done a terrible thing. I really do love your sister. Will you let me marry her? And, and so the family says, yes, we're going to you, we'll let, you, let you marry her. And so Simeon and Levi come up with this plan. They said, but, but we'll only support that if all of the men of your, of your city will be circumcised. So their plan was that after they were circumcised, right, they were going to be in a compromised way physically, and so that's exactly what happened. They waited for all of that to happen because all the men of the town agreed, right? That's some real commitment to the prince, right? Just saying. So, so they came in, the two of them, and they, and they slaughtered. They slaughtered all the men of the town. Slaughtered all the men of the town. Just a terrible tragedy, right? They, they, they responded to a tragedy by being tragic themselves, right? And so this is part of what this, this prophecy that, that God is speaking over them, that they're saying, hey, you've lived your whole life this way. There's, there's going to be consequences. There's going to be consequences. Now, I, I, I'm sharing this with you because we're turning over to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8. And listen to what God says. So years have passed. Verse 8, and at that time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant, the, Lord's, the, Lord, the ark of the Lord's covenant, and to stand before the Lord as his ministers and to pronounce blessings in his name. These are the duties to this day. The, this tribe of Levi, guess who they came from, right? This one son. So here's this son who's done terrible things and God himself is, is pronouncing this prophecy over his life that is tragic. And years go by and then all of a sudden we see something happening that's, that's the complete opposite of what was prophesied over him. Now, did, did, did Jacob get it wrong? 
Did God make a mistake? Right? We know that's not a possibility. Now, we're not given any details as to what happened. Like, Levi's one of the people I want to talk to when I get to heaven. Tell, tell me what you did, what you did that, that, that caused God's favor to come back on your life. I'm sharing that because I just, every week I'm praying as we're reading through the Bible that God's going to have prophetic moments that, that come into our service that, that's born out of our reading throughout the week. And as I was reading just in, in this, this week, I just felt like God spoke to me in such a clear way that there were going to be people here tonight and there's going to be people in Williamsburg tomorrow morning. That, that this is like your story. That, that your view of yourself is that you have so messed up your past that you've wrecked your future. That, that, that your view of yourself is that you've made so many mistakes that there's no hope for you in your tomorrows. And what God wants to say to you is, that's not true. It, you, it doesn't mean that God's naive to the mistakes of your past because he sees all that stuff. What, what he's saying to you is that you can make a decision to begin to live your life differently. It doesn't necessarily mean he will rescue out of all of your consequences, but he can redeem your consequences so that now it becomes your purpose and it can honor him. See, what's fascinating about this prophecy is that the Levites, they were scattered all throughout the land. But now they weren't just scattered throughout the land because they were walking out a, a punishment. They were scattered throughout the land with a purpose. God still fulfilled that prop prophecy, but he redeemed it and it became something glorious. They didn't have an inheritance of the land. That part of the prophecy was fulfilled. That was part of the sacrifice that they had to make. But they got to be the people that represented to the world how to worship God. They got to be the people that stood in the presence of the creator of the universe. They, they went from being a people that you could say they were cursed to being a people that were the most favored of God. And I'm telling you, if you're in here tonight and you're saying to yourself, I'm not sure there's a lot of hope for my tomorrows because I've made so many tragic mistakes in my past, how your life started does not have to be how it finishes. It does not. There is grace, there is forgiveness, there is transformation, and I hope if for that's you tonight that you're going to come up and talk with me at the end of the service. We just want to encourage you. You might be here tonight and you're in a relationship, not a marriage, right? Because if you're in a marriage, that's a different story. But if you're in a relationship that you're not supposed to be in, this could be part of your journey. You might be in a lifestyle that you're not supposed to be in, right? So part of the lie that the devil begins to whisper in your ears that you've been this way for so long, why change now? Don't believe that lie. Levi could have believed that lie, right? Levi could have said, this is how I've always been. This is how I'm always going to be. Even though the, what was supposed to be one of the greatest moments of my life where my father would prophesy over my future, even that moment I was condemned. But Levi, I'm telling you, he walked out of that room. Something changed in his heart. And I think he said, maybe that's who I've been, but that's not how I'm going to be. And he began to walk a journey and it changed the future of a nation. Come on, that could be your story. Father, for whoever here tonight, who that's for, I pray that word would sink down so deep in their heart. Whoever the Jacob was in their life that spoke things over them that seemed to condemn their future, no matter who that was, even if it was a parent, just like in this story, God, even if it's true, that something inside of them tonight, right now, supernatural, would come alive in them. A, a godly determination to walk out of their past, to believe for a future that is redeemed, that is filled with favor, that is filled with purpose, and that they're going to live their lives just like the Levites did, to bring you glory and to reveal you to the world that they're in. In Jesus' name, come on. And everybody said, all right. All right, all right, now let's preach. All right, so this is what I'm going to do. But part, part of what I want to do, these, these things on the back are, are really what just began to evolve this week. What I'm, I'm excited about, we're going to dig into those. I think we're going to have time to get through them. I'm not going to read through the first part of almost this whole little pamphlet, but we wanted to, I wanted to put something in your hand that just, it can be a resource to you for what we believe about what we call the 1, the 6, the 12, and the 24. It's, it's our discipleship model as a church. It's, it's how we answer the question, when you make a vow of devotion to Christ, what do I do? 
do next. And the, the one is the great invitation that we've all been given to become like Christ. The six are the great commands of Jesus. You can see that I've tweaked those a little bit to simplify those. Uh, and then we've got the 12 pathways, which are referred to as spiritual disciplines. And, then, and I want to touch on the 24, but in, instead of preaching on the virtues, I want to preach on the, what tends to block virtues in people's lives. And that's how things have kind of tweaked and, and, and shifted as it's flowed. And so what we say is, if you accept the one, you've got to fulfill the six. And to fulfill the six, you got to walk in the 12. And when you walk in the 12, you become the 24. You become the 24. And so these 24 virtues, they come from George, Dr. George Wood. Uh, I believe he's the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God, but he's also just one of the great modern-day biblical scholars. He has what he calls five great growth lists, and we take these 24 virtues out of that list. It's on the inside the second page. It's uh, Matthew 5, 3 through 10, Romans 12, 9 through 21, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, Galatians 5, 22 to 23, and then 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. And so what, what, what we've done is that we've taken all these lists and written down everything that was in there, and we begin to take out all the overlap. We begin to modernize some of the language a little bit so that it's a little bit easier to understand. And what, we've, what we got out of there were 24 virtues, authentic, content, hospitable, truthful, persevering, wise, hopeful, loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, gentle, faithful, humble, grateful, merciful, honorable, principled, selfless, fervent, forgiving, believing, self-control. This is the picture of the portrait of the character of Christ. And the one says, when Paul, right, he says to the church, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. This is what it means to imitate Christ, to see these 24 virtues come alive in all of us. Hey, we can all do this and the world can still be incredibly diverse. You tracking with me? There's still room for personality. There's still room for passion. There's still room for different shapes and giftings and ethnicities and, and, and cultural diversity, right? The world is not a, we, we do not need diversity with character. Can we just agree on that? The world would be a better place if all of us had these 24 virtues operating in our lives. There would still be enormous diversity throughout the whole world, throughout the whole world. So we believe that Jesus is, is part of his coming is to say, hey, this is who you're supposed to become. And now let's talk a little bit about how those things get blocked in our lives. Some of you note takers, you just can't wait to fill in your blanks. I know, I know who you are. All right, so I'm gonna give you the first one. If we don't get through all of these tonight, I promise you I will at least give you the answer, right? Because otherwise you'd be knocking at the door at my house. I need number six. I can't sleep. All right, the first one is fallowed. It's spelled like followed, but it's fallowed. F-A-L-L-O-W-E-D. Fallowed. Fallowed. Hosea 10, 12 reads, Sow with a view to righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. Your notes say fallowed when my life is pathway deficient. When you get these 12 pathways working in your life, it is as though you are getting a shovel deep down into the soil of your soul. That all of us are, are, are born with this eternal part of who we are that really doesn't come alive until we make a vow of devotion to Christ and the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us. And now we can begin to experience the birthing and the growing of these virtues in our lives like never before. But, but there's a part of our humanity that's just hard, right? That our humanity is conditioned to do things our own way, the way we want to do it, when we want to do it. You can think of it as like fallowed ground, which means that like on a farm where the ground is, is hard, it's not fertile, it needs to be turned up and, and, and tilled and, and broken out. The rocks and the weeds need to come out, right? It's like a, if you've ever been traveling, you see a field that's freshly plowed and, and, and it's ready for things to grow. God looks at you and me and he says, hey, let's get your heart ready for things to grow. There's a part that only he can do. There's a part that can only happen because the Spirit of God is inside of you. That soil in the field, it can only do so much to be ready, but somebody's got to come along and do some planting and do some caretaking, right? You, you can think of the God as the one who comes and plants and, and he's the caretaker, but we've got to do our part to make ourselves ready to receive the seed that's going to grow into the virtue, 
You and I, we've got to give ourselves to these pathways to get the soil of our soul fertile so that these virtues can grow inside of us. There is a part that you and I have to play. God's not going to read your Bible for you. He's not going to say your prayers for you. He's not going to go to church for you. He's not going to go to the devoted conference on your behalf. Are you tracking with me? He looks at you and he says, I'm going to do my part. You get busy doing your part. There is a part that we have to play. Part of one of the reasons why we want to put that list in your hand is that I'm hoping that maybe you'll spend some time with this resource and maybe you'll be so bold. Maybe if you're married, let's do this. Oh yeah, you should be nervous. You put your name, each of you make sure you get one, you put your name on the sheet, exchange these things and have your spouse circle the virtues that are the most absent in your life. Yeah, guys, I hope you've already given your wife flowers and chocolates. I'm just saying. Come on, are you with me? If you're single, find a friend that you can trust. Trade with them. For some of you, they're just going to take a big Sharpie and just circle the whole bottom of the page, right? Right? Come on, if that's what you need to see, then you tell them, circle them all if that's what I need. There's got to be an intentionality that raises up inside of us that says, I don't want to stay the same. I want to grow. I want all 24 of these virtues to grow in me. And if you want all 24 of those virtues to grow in you as big as they can, you need all 12 pathways working in your life. All right, number two. Number two. Unlearned. U-N-L-E-A-R-N-E-D. Unlearned. Unlearned. And these are virtue blockers. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself, right? This is part of this whole series is that one day we're going to stand before Christ and give an account for our lives. That's why our, our life verse is out of Matthew 16. It's in your, in your handout there. Be diligent to present yourself, approved to God, as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. In some translations, I'm working out all these in the New American Standard, but some, some translations render the study to show thyself approved. Study to show thyself approved. Sometimes we struggle because we just don't even know what God expects of us. So he's given us a book so we can. See, this is part of parenting, right? We're doing the parenting class right now that Vanessa is teaching, Growing Kids Kids God's Way. I I love, I get texts all the time from parents who have taken that class telling me about, you'll never guess what happened today and how they responded and another another victory. I got one just this week, another victory for Growing Kids God's Way in my family. Come on. And part part of what we teach in our parenting class is that there is a, a difference between a child being childish and a child being rebellious. You with me? Because sometimes kids, they, they just don't know any better. And part of parenting is to make sure that you're not punishing beyond the instruction that you've given. And God does the same thing with us, right? But, but God says to you and to me, hey, you're my child, but part of your responsibility of learning is on you. I've given you a book. It's called Holy Scripture. And in that book, you're going to find how you're supposed to live. And if you don't spend time with this book and you just kind of say for the rest of your life, I'm I'm just gonna kind of of wing it through, through life, God says to you and he says to me, if that were to be my attitude, hey, that's on you, that's not on me. I I gave you the instruction, you've closed your heart to it. We have a responsibility to say, God, what do you expect of me? When I'm in this situation, when I'm in that circumstance, and and I'm just telling you, our humanity will betray us every time. The human heart is not naturally inclined in itself to live out these virtues. In fact, I think the human heart is naturally inclined to, to move in the opposite. All right, so fallowed and unlearned. These are virtue blockers in your life. The next one, I made up this word because that's what preachers do. Personality. Person, just write person, then A-L-I, and then T-I-E-D. Person, A-L-I-T-I-E-D. Personality. When temperament is unrestrained. Romans 13, 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. See, we've kind of pigeonholed this word lust in our modern society as to being sexual in nature, and and that's part of what lust means, but lust is a broader word than that. Lust in the biblical sense simply means it is a desire inside of you that's not of God. 
That's what a lust is. A, a lust is a desire inside of you that's not from God. It's a desire inside of you that played out is not going to honor God. It, it's a desire inside of you that is, that is not healthy. That's what, a, that's what a lust is. It's an unhealthy appetite. And, and our personalities, guess what? Our personalities have unhealthy appetites at times. Not, not every lust that's a part of who we are is necessarily connected to the physical body. Not, not every desire that, that, that we have is, is connected to a, a physical desire. There's, there's every personality aches a little bit. Every personality has some extremes. So let's, we like participation here at the City Life Church, so I'm gonna walk around a little bit. So th- th- do this if you're willing to be so bold. You, you, maybe you've got a, a good sense of your personality. Think about a liability of your, of your own personality, right? So like for an example, I'm a, I'm a type A personality, right? So I can tend to want to over-control. Order is good, over-controlling is bad. Does that make sense? So that's an appetite in my personality that can lead me astray if I'm not careful. All right, somebody else, moment of confession. One, two, three, go. Scotty. Nice. Is that true, Sabra? Yeah. <laughs> he said, I make jokes at inappropriate times, right? Being funny is one thing, but right, you've got to know when to do it and when to not. Bernie. Shopping to fulfill needs. You, man, you guys are doing good, Warren. Your wife wants a puppy. Don't let her have one. I'm not. Okay, good. All right. No, I'm just teasing. Just teasing. You get her two. Okay, all right. Okay. It's Valentine's Day. A little bit of a neat freak. A little bit of a neat freak. Come on. That's good, right? Somebody, Alan? Try desiring to please her. You guys are doing awesome. Somebody else. Stephanie? Selfishness. Is that Jenny, bro? Obsessive, anybody, nobody else has that issue, right? (laughs) Obsessed a little bit, compulsive a little bit. What else? Anybody else? Sometimes too much. (laughs) Are you laughing because you've been a victim of that or because you share in that, right? Both. His answer is both, right? Are you with me? We, We have personalities. Every person in this room has a personality. Our personalities have strengths. A lot of times those strengths can become the greatest liability. Are you tracking with me? And, 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 and that's one of the biggest virtue blockers in our lives is our personality unrestrained causes us to move in moments and respond to people outside of those virtues. So like one, one of our, our children growing up, we, we began to realize that they were very focused. And early on when they were, they were little, they got in trouble a lot because I'd, be, I'd like go in there and say, hey, it's time for dinner, let's go. And so I'd go in and sit at the table and then, and, and then I, right, and then where are they, right? So I go back into the playroom and they're still there building that tower. I'm like, well, hey, I'm the boss in the house, right? So let's just, let's work. When I come in and say it's time for dinner, you come, right? And so I would get frustrated and, and, then, and then I would, you know, say, hey, come on, let's go. And then they would get frustrated. And what we began to realize, because we had taken Growing Kids God's Way, that, that, that one of our, our children, they were, they, were, they were super task-oriented. And so once they got started doing something, it was hard for them to emotionally detach from that task. It wasn't because they were being rebellious. It wasn't because they didn't care. You try, this is, does that make sense? There's this idea, this is parenting. You gotta make, you, you gotta get this thing right or we can harm our kids. We're gonna get to that in just a minute. And so we had to learn like with this particular child, the other kids, they didn't need to notice. But this kid, they need to notice, right? And we'd have to say, hey, dinner in 10 minutes. And then they needed a countdown, right? Dinner in five. Dinner in two, Right? We go back in, it's time for dinner. That helped them grad, you, 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 you with me? You and I are the same way. You, you've got to understand the personality that you have, the one that God gave you, and then you've got to understand the liabilities that come along with that personality, and we cannot use that as an excuse to not move in the virtues that God demands of us. All right, number four. self Directed, self-directed, D-I-R-E-C-T-E-D, self-directed. Your notes say when rebellion wins. The, the flesh, when you read that in the Bible, it's talking about our, our humanity. For, for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things 
that you please. Like when, when you and I make a, a vow of devotion to Christ and the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us, this journey of transformation, it can be a little volatile at times, right? It, it, can, it, can, it can be such that, 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 that you find yourself struggling with, with moments where you know God is asking you to do something that you don't want to do. Now, we teach all the time about something that we call self-governance. Self-governance is a good thing. That's being in control of yourself. Being self-directed is saying, I'm going to do what I want. See, I need to be self-governed as I'm being God-directed. I need to be self-governed as I'm being God-directed. All right, so just today, right? We all struggle with this, all of us. So, so just today, one of our kids was at a, a, a sporting event. They're playing a certain, certain, certain game. And uh, so I'm trying to, to not say names so I don't get in trouble myself. And so, uh, um, so, so at, this, at this sporting event that, that one of the other coaches from the other team started to, to correct my child. Yeah, you already know where this is going, right? <laughs> See? Yeah. And so I'm like, ah, it's all right, it's all right, it's okay, right? That's all right. I'm a Christian. <laughs> and a pastor. So I'm like, all right, so I kind of get over it, right? Kind of get over it, because it, it was unnecessary. So after the game, I realized the same coach, they, 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 they're, they're crossing and, you know, shaking hands, pulls my child aside, gives further correction. I'm not a Christian anymore, <laughs> right? That, that's what it feels like, and you know exactly what that feels like. You tracking with me? We cannot be self-directed. The, you, you cannot say to yourself, don't feel that way anymore. But what I can say is I'm not going to let those feelings direct me. Are you tracking with me? So did I go and pull the coach aside? Yes. Did I talk with him? Yes, I did. But the whole time, I'm, I'm working hard to smile. I'm keeping my voice calm. I'm just saying, hey, if, you know, if, if my son does something that you don't like, you, you know who I am now. Come talk to me. But I'm asking you not to bring correction to my child's life. I'm his father. That's my response. But you come tell me because if there needs to be correction, I want to do that. Or let's let the coaches coach their own teams. But let's not cross that, right? Because he has a coach. And it, was, it, was, it started out a little bit tense, but I think got to a, a good place. But part of that the whole time, I'm working hard to say the right thing. It does not come natural because in the inside, I'm thinking something really different, right? I want to say things that are different and I want to do some things that are different, right? You and I, we might have an explanation. It's not justification. We got to understand the difference between that as followers of Christ. I have a reason to feel the way that I do. That reason does not give me permission to let those feelings direct me. We, we can be honest about the why. We can be honest about how we're feeling. We, we've got to be honest with that, each other about don't live in a place of, of denial, right? But, but something inside of us has to say, what virtue am I supposed to move in right now? What virtue am I supposed to represent in this moment? And those are some of the hardest moments in our lives. But I am telling you, I, those are some of the most transformational moments of your life where you choose to walk in the virtue that you know God would ask of you even when it doesn't come natural. I'm telling you, something gets planted in the soil of your heart. And if you continue to say, I have a reason to not move in the virtue, come on, then you're just planting weeds in your life over and over and over again. Don't do that. All right, let's keep going. Some of you are like, no, please stop. Enough already. You're tapping out. Number five. Wounded. Wounded. W-O-U-N-D-E-D. Wounded. Philippians 3.13. Your notes say, when the hurts of my past are in my present. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but the one thing I do, listen to what Paul says, forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind. Some, some of you here, you need to forget what lies behind. Reaching forward, reaching forward to what lies ahead. 
This, this is part of hurts and wounds of our yesterday. The emotion of it, even if it was a long time ago, continue to show up in my present. Oftentimes it happens when you're in a situation or circumstance that's very similar to the hurt of your past and, and those emotions, it's like there's a tunnel, right? And they just come right up in. You've, you've been around people who, are, who, who, who this is happening a lot of times when the emotion that they're bringing to the moment seems so much bigger than necessary. Oftentimes that's a good sign that something from their past has happened and something of this moment reminds them of it and the hurt's bleeding right through. As devoted followers of Christ, we, we've got to be honest about the hurts of our past because we, 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 we've got to realize the potential that, that the hurt that those things have and how they can affect us in our, in our present day. Now, in, in small ways, I'm, I'm going to, at the end, I'm going to talk of a, a few things that, that these last three, these last three are a little bit more weighty than the, than the other four. There's some steps that you can take, but you know, some of your hurts of your past are, are relatively small, but they can still affect you in big ways in your, in your present. Sometimes the hurts of your past, they're, they're big. That's part of what post-traumatic stress syndrome is about, right? It's, it's things that are traumatic from your, your past that are still, the emotion is bleeding through into your, into your present. And sometimes it requires getting, getting help from, from professional people who can help you. They can't change what happened to you, but they can help you in ways so that the, those emotions, they stop controlling you in your, in your present day life. I know for me, when, when, uh, before I was married and I lived in the, in, the, in, in the city of Richmond, that I was awoken one night through all these loud noises. And, and uh, I lived in this above uh, uh, English basement apartment, above bound grace basement. So half of the apartment you know, was above ground and, the, and, and most of it was below ground. And I lived on, a, on an alley and the bathroom was on the, on the alley and I kept you know, hair products. I actually had hair thin. So I had hair, hair products in the and up on the ledge, you know, the shampoo, conditioner, all that kind of stuff that people with hair have. And, uh, and so all of that was up there on the ledge. And I recognized the sound of that come crashing down into the bathtub. Boom, 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 right? And I, all of a sudden I realized somebody's crawling in through that window into my apartment here in the inner city, right? They're not coming to leave me a present. You tracking with me, right? And, 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 and so I'm th- I wake up in my, in, in my sleep. I'm thinking, somebody is in my apartment. Right? So I, I call 911, and, and, uh, and so then I, I, like an idiot, right? I, I go into the bathroom, and there I'm standing between me and the shower curtain. I have a baseball bat in my hand, and I'm thinking to myself, good God, somebody could be on the other side of this curtain, right? And so, so, so you know, so in this moment, right, I pull back the curtain, right, and got my bat up, and thank God nobody was in there, right? Because I would have just fainted right on the spot. <laughs> And they could have just taken what they wanted, if the truth be told, right? So the police come, and I still have the shovel today. They had used a shovel. It was one of those crank windows. They had used the shovel to pry that window open and then pop the latch. And they were, they were climbing in. They were climbing. I'm just, I'm, for, for years, for years, when I would wake up in the night and I would hear a noise, I would feel all that same fear over again. You, you with me? When, when traumatic things happen to you, they, they, they take root in your life. And then when you find yourself in a situation, in a, in a circumstance that, that feels awfully familiar, all that emotion can come flooding back in. And, and part of the reason why that's a virtue blocker is that, that those intense emotions can be so big, it it's, can be overwhelming to, to stand in the face of them and to move in the virtue that you're supposed to move in. All right, let's keep going. We got two more I want to do. Scripted. Scripted. S C R I P T E D. Scripted. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Uh, one translation renders it do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now these last three can, can, can be kind of, there's some overlap, but they're still very different. A, a script that's operating in your life could have emotion that's attached to it, but it doesn't necessarily have intense emotion that is attached to it. This idea of a script, we, we use this word because like when a, they're making a movie, right, the actors are given 
scripts. They don't just get to show up on the set and do what they want. There's a script that's telling them what to do, right? Athletics is, is in a similar way, especially in football, right? There's an offensive coordinator. There's plays that are given. They might be given some, some flexibility, some pride, but there's a script that they're given that, that directs them, and they're doing what the script says. When in life, there are scripts that get written into our lives. One of the ways that you see this played out more often than not is through marriage and through parenting. The family that you grew up in, the whole time you were growing up in that family was writing a script in you about how people relate to each other and then you carry those scripts into your marriage when you get there. Parenting. You, that's one of the reasons why a parenting class is so important is that you need to rewrite the scripts that, that you have brought into your family, especially if your parents never went to a class like this. They, they might have been well-intentioned, but they gave you parenting scripts that are, that are not good scripts to work off of. This idea is that you and I as devoted followers of Christ, we have to be honest that there are, there are scripts that are at work. Sometimes your church experience can create a script in you. You spend time in a church where maybe the leadership is overbearing or, or unhealthy, and then you come to a new church, and then all of a sudden, it, there's this script is operating in you. You're withdrawn. You don't trust. You, you, you don't want to relate to people because, because there's the script of this is how I had to survive when I was there, and then all of a sudden, we get in, into a place, a new place, and that script can begin to rob us of relationship. See, there's all kinds of scripts that are operating in our lives. And part of our journey as a devoted follower of Christ is saying, I don't want to conform to those patterns anymore. I want there to be a renewing of my mind. I want the only scripts that are operating in me to be scripture. There's a big conversation that's going on in our world today about sexual identity. I hope you're reading my blog that I'm writing. We're we're going to, we got the business meeting next weekend. I've got probably another week or two in praxis. Then I'm going to do a few weeks on fasting. And then we're going to come back to a series that we did three years ago uh, uh, where we just, we talk about the different excesses that are happening in the world, especially in the church. Overeating, overworking, overspending, oversexing. If you remember that, it was an impactful series that we did. That was three or four years ago. We're going to come back to that series. That's part of, you know, I'm just telling you right now, if you're planning to go to see Fifty Shades of Grey tonight, don't go see that movie. If you, if, 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 and if finances are a problem, I'll buy your ticket from you. I'll buy your ticket. I pulled Nate aside. I said, if it gets expensive, you're going to help me out. He said, I'm in, right? I'm not, I'm not kidding. If you've got a ticket and you say the money matters to you, give me that ticket. I'll give you the money for it. You go do something else. It, when you go and expose yourself to things like that, it's not because we're prudish. It's not, not because Christian, God created sex. Hey, come on. Let's have an honest conversation about that. Right? Everything else that the world has that's an opposite of God, they're settling for less. There's this idea that, 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 that sexuality is just this part of our, an expression of our biology. Come on, there's something very spiritual about sexuality. There's something very sacred about sexuality. And, and when you expose yourself to ungodly things like that, you are writing a sexual script in your life. When, when you and I have a responsibility, not just to understand the scripts that are already there, but we have a responsibility to guard our heart and to say, I don't want new scripts written that are not from him. I only want the scripts in my life that come from scripture so that I can live out my life in a way that honors God. And what we say here at City Life is that everything that God has said no to, it's not because he's old and he doesn't get it and he's trying to rob you of pleasure. It's because he's a perfect loving father and he's trying to protect you from settling for less. Every boundary that he gives us is to release us into the greater depths of life. Script. All right, let me tell you another story, and then we're going to go to the last one. So, you know, my, my, my dad passed away in, over, over Thanksgiving, and, uh, and, and my dad was a great man, right? But he wasn't a perfect man, because none of us are. Loved Jesus with all of his heart, and, and, and towards the end of his life, he was a, a very gentle man, but, but early on in his life, he, he, he was not especially gentle. Never abusive, but very controlling and very demanding, very strict, and, and, and as Jesus got a hold of his heart, that softened over time, but, but early in life, you know, we, we were raised, he was very authoritarian, and so if we were in trouble or if we were being punished, there was no, even if he was making a mistake, right, we, we could not 
talk to him in that moment, right? We had to receive our punishment. Anything we said was considered talking back. You, you're tracking with me? So this is part of we talk about in growing kids God's, God's way. You've got to understand as a parent, sometimes you're making a mistake. There's got to be a mechanism for your, your kids to talk with you in that moment to instruct you a little bit. This is part of godly parenting. It's an, it's an amazing curriculum. But I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up with that. You know, I didn't, I didn't grow up with it. There, there was an authoritarian, and so there were so many times where I just felt like this isn't fair, but I've just got to take it. So when I became, so that, that became a script in my life that played itself out when I was in a situation as an adult where I felt like somebody was, was not treating me fairly. Like there was a part of me, that, this is my time to fight for my rights. That, that's part of what this idea of scripts, they do sometimes bring emotion to the moment. So this has been part of my journey as, as an adult. I have to be aware now if, if, if it's a customer service situation or I feel like somebody's doing something that they're, that they're not supposed to do and it's affecting me that, that I've got to be aware that, hey, I have this pattern that I'm susceptible to that, that makes me want to over-respond if I feel it's not fair. This is part of our journey, people. Let's understand the scripts that are there that need to be rewritten and let's do our part to not let new scripts get written into our life that are not from the hand of God. All right, the last one is oppressed. Oppressed. O-P-P-R-E-S-S-E-D. Oppressed. I think there's two P's and two S's. There's no spell check in my own handwriting. Oppressed, 1 John 4, 1. When ungodly influences are affecting me. 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. The last part of this text is what I would refer to as a fill-in-the-blank text, meaning that the, the writer, who we know is inspired by the Holy Spirit, is giving us a practical example of the principle they're teaching. Does that make sense? So much of the Bible is that way. There's a principle that's given, then there's a practical example. So, so John here is saying, hey, you've got to test the spirits. And then he says, hey, and, and let me give you an example of what that means. Sometimes people that are, that, that are teaching, they're not representing the voice of God. They're representing some, some other voice. Now, I just want to say a couple of things about this, and the worship team's going to come back up in just a minute. I'll call them back up in just a second, but we're, 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 we're wrapping up. We're, we're on time. Is that, is that, Sometimes churches can be places where everybody's always looking for uh, 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 and something evil to blame it on. And we're, we're not one of those churches. We believe in evil. We, we believe that there are, are spirits that are operating in this world that are, that are not of God. I think the Bible's very clear about that. What we read that happened in Jesus today, that those things still happen you know, in our days. I mean, that, that's a very real thing. It's a very real thing. But, but what can happen in, in, in churches that believe in the supernatural like we are, that we can begin to use those things as an excuse to not deal with our own character issues. We can use those things as an excuse to not deal with our own personality flaws. Right? So part of this idea of testing is to test yourself. Part of this idea of testing is to ask the question, is there some influence that's operating in my life that's, that's, that's spiritual in nature, or is this a script? Is this a wound from my past? Am I just being self-directed? That's part of why we're giving you this list tonight, because this now becomes a tool for you to assess yourself and with the people that you're close with that, that you can begin to help each other. But we do believe, we do believe that there can be influences that are operating in your life. If you're a devoted follower of Christ, they cannot control you because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. The Bible has lots of verses just like that to speak about this. But they, but they can influence you. They can suggest things. They can recommend. They can tempt. And, and depending on the story of your past, is a great example of whether or not you have made yourself spiritually vulnerable enough times to where all of a sudden there's just something in your life that, that you're just used to being there that's always just suggesting not good things to you. Part of my journey. That's another story for another time, but I'm honest about my, my journey. My, my, my past before I became a devoted follower of Christ was filled with drug and alcohol abuse. And, 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 if, and if you've spent any amount of time like I did years in, in an altered state of mind, you have made yourself spiritually vulnerable. And when I made a vow of devotion to Christ when I was 23, there, there, there were some spiritual experiences that I had where I had, to, I had to get free from some stuff. If you've participated in spiritual things that are not godly like seances and things like that, you've made yourself spiritually vulnerable. Does that make sense? These are real things. It doesn't have to be spooky. 
doesn't have to be weird. In fact, I would say it's practical. It's just the acknowledgement that, that I am a spiritual being living in a natural world. Is there a natural component to me? Sure there is. Is there a biological component to me? Sure there is. That's why it talks about testing. Sometimes there's just a chemical imbalance in our bodies, and we might need help correcting that. We believe in that. We believe in that as a church. Not, not everything is an ungodly influence. It's part of this being in a church that's healthy enough, that understands all the things that could be at work in somebody's life. And sometimes there are situations and circumstances that only prayer is, is going to heal. I invite the worship team to come back up. So I'm going to give you three things. These aren't in your notes, but you can write these down. If, if, if some of these virtue blockers are, 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 are operating in, in your life, if some of these virtue blockers are operating in, in your life, then I, I'm going I'm to suggest you three things. One is that, that you need to talk about them with somebody. This is just part of the journey of healthy Christian living. Find people that you could trust and open up a dialogue. Open up a conversation. I hope that, that, that you'll do what we talked about earlier. Find somebody that you can trust and give them that sheet. Ask them to circle some things, some virtues that, 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 are, just, that are absent, that are just absent in your life. Begin with a dialogue. The second thing I'm going to encourage you to do is that you're going to begin a conversation with God, that, that you're going to begin to pray, that you're going you're to take some of these things and you're going to say, God, I, I want you to show me some of these virtues that are missing from my life. God, of these seven virtue blockers, that, and I'm telling you, God wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to show you things. You, I've never heard his voice, but I, I like to say I feel his voice. For some of you here tonight, some of these, one of these seven things, it might be that it's just it's leaping off the page at you. Come on, that's the Holy Spirit revealing something of the heart of the Father to you. Begin to pray. And, and if your situation, if your situation is, is, is maybe what you would say crosses the threshold of seriousness, then what I would say to you is get help. Call me. Call somebody here that you know that you trust. There, there's, there's resources that we can put you in touch with. Don't, don't live the rest of your life broken because you didn't let the people who loved you help you. And then those of us who have some experience with this, we can help you figure some stuff out. We can help you figure out maybe what the causes of this thing that's working in your life. There might be a counseling journey that you've got to go on together with your husband or wife, and we've got great people that we can refer you to. It, it might be that you've got some type of clinical condition that needs the help and the attention of a good Christian psychiatrist. That's okay. But what God is saying to you and to me is, hey, this life, it matters. It matters, not just so that you can live full now, but for the forever that's waiting for you. Don't just turn a blind eye to the things in your life that are a struggle because God has given you an opportunity to live new again. You might feel like you're Levi tonight and your life is a wreck, but you can choose to be the Levi of Genesis or you can be the Levi of Deuteronomy. He's got a plan, and he's got a purpose. He's not going to change your past, but he can redeem it and launch your life into a beautiful new direction. Stand with me as we worship together. Spirit, where my trust is without borders. We walk upon the water wherever you are me. So take me deeper than my feet could ever wander And my faith would be made stronger In the presence of my Savior Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders We walk upon 